So it's February, there's a lot going on this month. The Annie Awards, the NAACP Image Awards, Screen Actors Guilds Award and Eddie Awards are all taking place this month. And of course, we've had the BAFTA and Oscar nominations, which I really can't wait to talk about. It's also LGBT History Month. February is the month in the, when the US and Canada celebrate Black History. It's also the month that marks the beginning of the Chinese New Year, as well as the month where we, where we celebrate Valentine's Day. So... Happy Chinese New Year, happy Black History Month, happy LGBT History Month, and happy Valentine's Day. Right, so I'm just jumping straight into award season because I need to talk about it. I've got a lot of things to get off my chest. So obviously this month, the nominees for the BAFTA and the Oscars were announced. And can I just say that this award season has been interesting. Because like last year, I feel like the contenders were a little bit more obvious from the jump. We had certain films like Nomadland, Sound of Metal and shows like Shit's Creek. The Crown, Ted Lasso, and certain names pretty much consistently popping up from the first set of nominations. But this year, while there are some favourites, which is expected, there have been some contenders that have been really surprising. So just looking at the Golden Globes, Screen Actors Guilds, BAFTAs, Critics' Choice and Oscars, uh, let's just talk about The Snubs and Lady Gaga. I don't care what anyone has to say, Lady Gaga was robbed. Her performance in House of Gucci was outstanding. She was the only lead actress this year to score nominations at the Golden Globes, the SAGs, the Critics' Choice and the BAFTAs. Nominations that she also secured in the same categories in 2019 with A Star Is Born. This is a woman who understands her assignment. She delivers, she's incredibly talented and can act. She deserves an Oscar for lead actress. And House of Gucci, in general, was worthy of more attention from the Oscars. It was nominated for just one award and that was hair and makeup which they absolutely deserve but i'm just disappointed there was there wasn't any more love mm, we're talking of more love to no love kate blanchett but she deserved to be nominated for best supporting actress at both the baftas and the oscars for her role in nightmare alley that ability to be on screen for a short amount of time and deliver this powerful dark sinister performance is rare and she did that the complete opposite of a comedic character and don't look up but all is not lost. She's up for outstanding performance by a female actor for her supporting role um, at the Screen Actors Guild Awards. I mean, I think we all know about my obsession. <coughs> I mean, my love for Kate Blanchett. But, um, you know, it goes without saying she is an excellent actress. I didn't really love Don't Look Up, but her performance, along with a few others, was definitely entertaining. Um, but with regards to the lack of love from the Oscars, I completely agree. I mean, I'm a massive fan of Guillermo del Toro, so no shade to him or the other actors. But what stayed with me after the film credits rolled was Kate Blanchett's performance. Yeah, I agree. Like, Kate Blanchett is bloody amazing. Um, and talking of Kate Blanchett, again, she's achieved something that's outstanding. A two, already two-time Oscar winner has beaten Olivia de Havilland to become the actress with the most credited roles linked to the Best Picture nomination. And that's because on top of her already credited roles, both Nightmare Alley and Don't Look Up are nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. Coincidence? I think not. Well, hail Queen Kate. And since we are having a little Kate appreciation, I think we should also celebrate the fact that she has 
just become or will become the second youngest recipient of the Chaplin Awards. Tom Hanks was awarded one back in 2009 when he was 52, which is the same age that Kate is now, but he was 38 days younger than she is now. But that still makes her the youngest female recipient. Um, the honour is awarded by the film at Lincoln Centre and celebrates stars and industry leaders and their contributions. It was first awarded to Charlie Chaplin and other recipients include Spike Lee, Sir Sidney Poitier, Martin Scorsese, Meryl Streep, Morgan Freeman, Elizabeth Taylor, Alfred Hitchcock. So yeah, at least someone is showing some love to Kate. Oh, oh, Kate, Kate. Um... Another snub, though, um, Denis Villeneuve. Now, before I even say anything, let me remind everyone that June is leading the pack with 11 nominations at the BAFTAs and the second highest nominations at the Oscar with 10, because The Power of Dog has 12. But Denis Villeneuve did not secure a single nomination for Best Directors at the BAFTAs or the Oscar, which begs the question, is everyone high? I wasn't even a massive fan of June, but of all the awards it should be getting, Best Director is definitely one of them. Mm, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely anticipating part two. I want to see where it goes, and yeah, I enjoy part one. But yeah, ten nominations a lot. And what, is, what I feel is interesting is there's always a correlation between the winner of Best Picture and Best Director. So with June having ten Oscar nominations alone, one being Best Picture, I expected to see Denis Villeneuve up for Best Director too. Because the five films in the Best Director category are amongst the ten for Best Picture. So with him not being up for Best Director, I'm thinking Dune probably won't win Best Picture. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, most of the time, the Best Director's winners, the best director winner's film takes home Best Picture. Although there have been, like, a few years where that hasn't been the case. But even then, the director was at least still nominated. So, yeah, I would not be surprised if Dune didn't take home Best Picture. Um, and honestly, I think it's out of West Side Story, Drive My Car, or The Power of the Dog. Um, which brings me to Kirsten Dunst. I'm very angry at some of these award shows right now. So Kirsten Dunst was excellent in The Power of the Dog. And I was quite surprised to see that the BAFTAs just completely overlooked her, especially because she was nominated for a Golden Globe, a SAG, a Critics' Choice, and an Oscar. But, hey. Well, talking of The Power of the Dog, co-star Jesse Plemons and Cody Smith-McPhee are going head-to-head for Best Supporting Actor, both BAFTAs and Oscars. Cody Smith-McPhee is also nominated for Screen Actors Guild. I mean, they were both great. But Cody, for me, he delivered. He's also up for the EE Rising Star Award at the BAFTAs too. Well, nothing like a little friendly competition. But yeah, I have to agree with you. I, I mean, I love Jesse Plemons. I think he's a really talented man. But Cody definitely stood out for me in that film. Like, just... Oof. Um... <laughs> Snob number 607, Olivia Coleman. No nomination in the lead actress category at the BAFTAs, really? Like, so again, I'm just asking if everyone at the BAFTAs is okay. Because Olivia Coleman is insanely talented. I mean, I'm looking at the BAFTA selection and there is honestly no one I would kick out, but I just can't understand how she's not in the top three. You know what? She may bring that Oscar home, though. But talking of the BAFTAs, I'm surprised to not see Andrew Garfield up for Best Actor for playing playwright Jonathan Larson, a semi-autobiographical film, Tick, Tick, Boom. Given that he's shown range, he's not just acting, he's seeing his performance, he gave a great performance, I feel. Um, and he didn't receive, the film didn't receive a single BAFTA nomination, actually. Hence why, and I'll ask it again, is everyone at the BAFTAs okay? 
But you know what? At least with Andrew Garfield, he got some love at the SAGs and the Critic Choice um, Awards. Plus, he did win Best Actor at the Golden Globe, so all is not lost. And it's much better than nothing at all, like he's currently getting for his role in the eyes of Tammy Faye, so, you know. Um, But as for Olivia Coleman bringing home the Oscar, I don't know, you know. I mean, the competition is fierce, and I kind of think since Kristen Stewart has entered the chat that she might just come in and take it. But anyway, forgetting the snubs for a moment, because we could go on, let's talk about some of the surprise and the highlights. Like, for me, Drive My Car, a Best Picture contender at the Oscars. Yes, we love to see it. I mean, Best International Feature, I expected because it's such a good film, but Best Picture? I am excited for Risuke Hamaguchi. And it's also the first Japanese film to be nominated for Best Picture at Oscars. So if it takes time to win, it will be the second foreign language film to win after Parasite. So honestly, I would love to see it win. Oh, I love that. Because a good film is a good film, regardless of where the director's from or what language the cast speak. It's about the story. And it's already done really well, actually, in terms of um, awards. It's won a few critics' awards. Oh, and it's also won the Asia Pacific Screen Awards. So, yeah. Well, this is it. It's all about execution. You know, films like, you know, Bong Joon-ho's Parasite or Fritz Lang's M are good films because they are good stories executed well. And I would honestly love to see more foreign language films being included across all categories. Plus, it's definitely introducing me to some new directors and writers and actors. Speaking of actors, though, um, I really want to talk about Jessie Buckley, who was in The Lost Daughter. Um, I'm glad to see that she's finally getting some recognition at the BAFTAs and the Oscars, because I don't feel like people are really talking about her performance in this film enough. Um, There's a lot of focus on Olivia Coleman, which, you know, of course, I get it. She delivered. But Jessie Buckley's part in the film really moves the story along, and she played it well. So I'm I'm happy to finally see, you know, some nominations for her. Mm. You know who I'm happy to see is nominated? Mahershia Ali for his role in The Swan Song. Um, it's been nominated, I mean, it hasn't been nominated for a lot, but he has been nominated for Best Leading Actor at the BAFTAs. He plays two characters here, so, you know, he's showing versatility. It's just great. No, do you know what? Not not many people have even heard of The Swan Song, and honestly, I don't think I would know about it myself if it wasn't for the fact that I have a subscription to Apple TV. Um... I think he also co-produced it. Um, but this is why I love following award shows and films, uh, film news, because you just discover these little hidden gems. And Swan Song is definitely worth a look. It's a good film. Speaking of good films, um, and I'm quite surprised that this is coming from me, but um, Spencer, I, I was genuinely surprised at how you know little attention was paid to this film and to Kristen Stewart, actually, because... I mean, before it even hit the UK cinemas, there was a lot of talk and early buzz about how it was going to do this award season. And, I mean, personally, before watching it, I wasn't excited because I think the royal family have been subject of many documentaries and films and shows over the years. So it's kind of like, what can you do differently? But um, after watching it, I think this film, I just think it deserves more respect. Like, Kristen Stewart was fantastic in this and the cinematography in this is beautiful. Yet it secured just four nominations at these awards which was um golden globe for best actress which as we know nicole quidman took that home um and then best actress at the oscars which honestly judging by everything so far i really wasn't expecting and then best score and best actress at the critics choice well for me um i thought it should have been nominated for best hair and makeup or makeup and hairstyling at the oscars or the baftas that department did an absolutely amazing job. Like, aesthetically, I felt like I was in the early 90s. But overall, it wasn't a film for me in terms of performance and leading actress. 
But awards aside a minute, like this has been the 11th known film with or about Princess Diana, not to mention the failed musical. Was this necessary? Like, let the woman rest in peace, please. Do you know what? I hear what you're saying and I fully get what you mean. And I had the same kind of thoughts when I first heard about it. But then when you really check it, I don't think, you know, the necessity really comes into it. Because I think it's more about can this filmmaker do something different? And what are they trying to say with this film? Um, I think theme and tone and genre all play a part. Like, you know, how close to the truth is this going to be? Or is it going to be kind of like, you know, One Night in Miami, that's a fictionalised account involving real people? Because I imagine if, like, Tim Burton, you know, Barry Jenkins, Jordan Peele and Ava DuVernay were all asked to make this film, I just imagine that the end product would result in four very different films. But I agree 100% with the hair and makeup and the cinematography. Outstanding. Another pleasant surprise... Um, from these award shows, though, is Anjanu Ellis, who has received her first Oscar nomination, first BAFTA and first Golden Globe, plus a first Critics' Choice nomination. If she goes home empty-handed, I'm fighting someone. That's all I'm saying. Obviously, excluding the Golden Globes, because we know that went to Ariana DeBose, and I'm not mad at that, but yes, I'm fighting someone. Fighting someone, you know, violence. So what are you saying? You won't be my alibi? I see how it is. It's okay. Anyway, um, another thing I'm happy to see is nominated is After Love. Um, I watched this film in the cinema, and then again, I think on Prime, I think, and I just, I fell in love. It's so quiet, and yet it delivers such an emotionally powerful response. Like, this film is all about showing you and not telling you. Every moment is so methodical and contemplative. I just adore this film, and for this to be um, the director Aileen Khan's debut, you literally could not offer up a more perfect way to showcase your talent. Um, He's up for an award as Best Director at the BAFTAs. Um, The film also received a nomination for Outstanding British Film. And Joanna Scanlon is up for Lead Actress, who, by the way, just excels in this. So I am literally crossing my fingers and my toes for this one. Can you cross your toes? Is that possible? Um, I'm currently trying and it's unsuccessful, but I'll just cross all of my fingers instead. So, you know, um, I've got a question though. Don't look up. Is it an Oscar contender? Oh, that's a question. Well, you know, the key to being nominated for any best picture is Kate Blanchett. <laughs> like literally, but no, all jokes aside, I was a little bit confused with this one. Um, for me, it's the wild card out of the pack. And then I sat and thought, okay, um, I've watched films that are personally less moving, less engaging, less that didn't touch me. And I've I've watched them be nominated, and some have even won. And I I shan't name any, <clears throat> but I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, actually, should I be brave and name it? Should I do that? Well, save with the chest, girl. I'm sorry, Nomad Land. It didn't do it for me. I have to say. Mm-hmm. But then I think, okay, what makes a film Oscar-worthy? What makes an Oscar contender? Is it the fact that it is innovative? Like, has it contributed something to filmmaking? Has it changed the game in some way? Is it memorable? There's there's so many elements to it. Um, so I don't think by the standards in which people, which the Academy Awards choose their films, that it is. So is it an Oscar contender? It's a wild card. That's all I'll say. 
that's a cop out. No, I'm joking. Um, well, I read somewhere <laughs> that an Oscar contender usually has a high audience and critic rating, and there is, um, and it's a film that's therefore commercially successful. But of course, that's unhelpful because that's basically how many films. Um, but generally, it seems that like there's certain themes that seem to create like an Oscar buzz, um, like playing historical figures or overcoming some kind of hardship. But I guess also, and this is just me guessing literally, but it must also be the elements that go into filmmaking, like the good script, editing, sound, cinematography. Like it must be the whole package. Yeah, moments in history, you know, biographies or autobiographies, it's definitely not gone unnoticed this year. So I've noticed there's King Richards, there's Tick Tick Boom, there's House of Gucci, there's Spencer, there's Bina Ricardos, there's Isa Tammy Faye, and there's Belfast. You know, they're all they all fall into that category. Mm. By the way, Belfast had amazing cinematography. In fact, all of the BAFTA Oscar nominees for cinematography were so strong. But I have to say a well done to Ari Wegner. She's now the second woman ever to be nominated for Best Cinematography at the Oscars for her striking work on The Power of the Dog. So big congratulations to her regardless. And in other news, Sir Roger Deakins was knighted, making him the first cinematographer to be widely known as the greatest cinematographer of the 21st century and amongst the greatest of all time. So Roger's been nominated for 15 Oscars. His work includes Shawshank Redemption, Fargo, Skyfall, and his Oscar wins are Blade Runner 2049 and 1917. I loved his speech. He said, I think it's an honour for cinematography, frankly. Recognition that there's so many class people behind the camera that don't get enough that don't often get recognised. And I agree, let's celebrate those behind the screen too. I love that, and he's absolutely right. They're like the silent heroes of film and TV because when you really think about what goes into the production side of these shows and films, it's a big collaborative effort. It requires so much skill and hard work, even like music videos and photo shoots. There's a lot that goes into like the planning and the technical side of it. So congratulations to legendary Roger. So... As you know, February is the month for love, and we got some Oscar-nominated couples in the house. Boop, boop. I mean, I don't mean literally because I'm sitting in my room, but here's some fun facts for you. Penelope Cruz is up for Best Actress at the Oscars for her role in Parallel Mothers, directed by Pedro Amalvador, whilst her husband, Javier Bardem, is up for Best Actor for his role in Bina Ricardo's, where he played Desi Arnaz in the biographical drama Bina Ricardo's, directed by Aaron Sorkins. And then you've got Kirsten Dance and her partner, Jesse Plemons. They actually co-starred in The Power of the Dog. She's up for Best Supporting Actress and he's up for Best Supporting Actor at the Oscars. Love is in the air for real. See, now that is couple goals. So, February is LGBT History Month, as we said earlier. And so here are some films and shows that we recommend that you can watch and celebrate the month. So, I've got five films to recommend. Um for this month, specifically sort of centred around, you know, the LGBTQIA plus community. Um, Carol, 2015 film with Kate Blanchett. Loved it. It's brilliant. I'm obsessed. I could probably say it word for word. Um, Young Soul Rebels. I watched this quite recently um, from 1991. It's now available to watch on, I think, Now TV and Sky. I think Carol is on Amazon Prime, but they might have taken it off because they're pagans. I don't know. Um, 
Happy Together from 1997 is a really good film that I watched recently as well. Um, Nas and Malik is a good film from 2015. And Black is Black Ain't from 1994, which is like a documentary. Um, still really good. Definitely re- recommend watch all of those films. So first on my list is Disclosure, an amazing documentary about the trans community. And that's on Netflix. Second up is Blue is the Warmest Colour. Great film. Great film. Um, it was on Netflix. I I don't know if it's still there. They take it off, then they put it back, then they take it off, then they put it back. I got Vex and just bought the DVD, but <laughs> I think it's actually come back, to be fair. The cheek. And then you've got the older Generation Q, which was on Sky. You can get it on demand and on Now TV. You've also got 20s on BBC iPlayer and Pose on Netflix. I haven't actually watched Pose yet. People keep screaming at me about it, but it's on the list, you know. I'll get round to it. Um, obviously, we also mentioned that it is Black History Month in the US and Canada, um, but we still threw in some films that we thought you might like to watch, um, although you can watch it anytime, but whatever. Um, Summer of Sam, 1999 film, um, directed by Spike Lee. I'm obsessed with this film. A lot of people talk about Spike, Lee, Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing, but to me, I think this is just one of his best films. Um, and you've got Pariah, it's a 2011 film. It's really, really good. Um, you will have to rent this or buy this from like YouTube or Google um, movies, but honestly, it's well worth it. I Am Not Your Negro, wicked documentary um, about an unfinished book by James Baldwin. Fences, if you don't know this film, just I don't know what's going on with your life, but yes, brilliant film. And of course, a classic, Boys in the Hood, because come on. Oh, that's a great choice. Um, on my list, if Bill Street could talk, 2018 film, it's so, so moving. Please watch it if you haven't. Hidden Figures, 2016, based on the real-life account of four black ladies who worked for NASA. They were excellent mathematicians. Then you've got Wayne to Excel, classic film. Oof, film. <laughs> Honestly. Directed by Forrest Whitaker. Next up, you've got the 40-year-old version written and directed by Ryder Black. And last, you've got Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse 2018. First, I just have to rate you highly for including a Marvel. Bap, bap. Um, and actually, that's a really strong contender, I can't lie. I mean, not that your list, your whole list was solid, but I do love that, that Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. It's, it's wicked. Um, but anyway, I've, I've got a theory that I want to share. Horrors and crime docs are the real MVPs of Valentine's Day. Now, Valentine's Day is a day you go all out for your partner, right? Show some love, spoil them, treat them, dinner, hotel, etc., right? No. Let me tell you something. You're doing Valentine's Day wrong. The best way to spend Valentine's Day is cuddled up with your babes, snacks for days, and a true crime documentary or a, tr- or a horror film. I'm telling you now, it's the best thing to do. And I love it because true crime documentaries are always wild. There's just something, I don't know, like when you're sitting there and you're having a shared experience about the crazy ish you're watching, it's just another level of intimacy, you know, because you're like, what the fuck? But you're also grateful that you're not married to a murderer, um, you know, which is always a bonus. Um, And you just have a good conversation, which people seriously take for granted. I just love sitting down and, you know, yapping away about different topics. Well, I wouldn't call it experience intimate for me. 
But I'm always fascinated about human behaviour and the ability to be so cold and calculated. That's what gets me the most about these documentaries. It's no. just Hold up. I meant the intimacy is in the shared experience, not the fact that you're watching the crime itself, because, you know, allow me. Because, um, you know, like, even on a platonic level with your friends, you know, the Tinder swindler, like, I mean, it's not quite murderous, but the things he does done were outrageous. And it sparks a conversation with your friends and people. Like, it's literally all everyone at work is talking about right now. Like, every minute, oh, my God, have you seen the Tinder swindler? Like, it just, you know, it brings up that nice conversation. I'm so glad you cleared up the intimacy part. <laughs> I was a little concerned, but no, definitely it does do that. Um, and the Tinder Swindler has been a talk of the town lately. Is there anything else that you want to watch or recommend? Honestly, the only thing I want to watch next is the Batman. Like, that's it. Um, and now TV and Sky and On Demand have, you know, they've got all the Batman films available to watch. So I think I'm just going to rinse all of those in preparation for the new one. Um, oh, Top Boy is back. And I'm really excited for this, actually, because I feel like it's literally been forever. Well, in a way, it has, actually, because obviously the pandemic delayed so many things. But we na- actually have a date now, March the 18th. So I also need to recap on a previous season just so I can be ready. Mm, I'm thinking what I recommend. So I saw a trailer for something called the iPress file on ITV. So on Ashley Thomas, a.k.a. Bashy. And I, will def- I am looking forward to that. That's coming out in March, so around the corner seems to be like a thriller and i'm all about that and well, yeah definitely batman too 100 percent. i can't wait to see what robert patterson does actually same i but, mean it's a heavy not it's not a heavy burden but I mean, it must just be like a scary role to take on because you know that everybody's looking at you like okay so let's let's see what you can do as batman because when other so many other actors have played batman you know people are always going to have favorites and you know, are you going to be as good as this version of Batman? It's the same with James Bond, I guess, when you take on that role. It's, I mean, it's as big as James Bond, really. Yeah, it like, is. But I, you know what? I think the unfortunate thing for... Not, not unfortunate, but the thing with Robert Patterson, which is the same thing with Christian Stewart, is that people only remember Twilight, which, I mean, yeah, it's Twilight. So that's all people think about in terms of their acting abilities and there wasn't much showcased in Twilight, really. So I think you always... Because even when they announced that he was going to be Batman, loads of people were like, what, the guy, the guy from Twilight? I think he's actually done loads of films since then. So I'm, I'm excited to see. Hopefully he'll get to prove them wrong because he is a good little actor. Mm. Um, but in other news... BBC Free, the much-loved channel aimed at the 16 to 34 demographic, which ceased broadcasting on television in 2016 and then moved online, is back. It returns to television and can be watched on Sky, Virgin Media, Freeview, Freesat and iPlayer. The shows include The Cash Up, Eat With My Ex, RuPaul's Drag Race, Gassed Up and the award-winning Fleabag. You know what, yeah, I've actually never seen a full episode of Eating With My Ex, but I love watching the little clips online. Um, but... I love BBC Three. Um, not really a fan of the new green logo. Preferred it when it was pink. But they do have some really good content and I'm just happy to see them back, to be honest. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of February's episode. Join us next month for more TV, film and us banter. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at 2 Weird Women. Thank you for listening.